welcome again. Uh, I used to get to preach a lot, and uh, you guys keep having children, which keeps me in business, obviously, uh, but also keeps me busy, so it's awesome. We're actually going to have to, like, build a new wing that's called the nursery, I think, because we have so many people having kids. Uh, we'd say there's something in the water here, so if you're married and don't want to have kids, don't drink the water. Um, uh, but I am glad to be here. Uh, I got the topic today, and I was very excited about it because I think uh, I've grown up in a, in a culture that is, has given me a unique perspective. Probably not unique, but at least uh, for lots of people, unique. Um, and the topic today is just on fear and how that relates to God. And so we are, we are jumping into this four-week run that we in the church call Advent. And how many of you guys have heard of Advent before? How many of you guys know what Advent is? A lot less hands. <laughs> I didn't know what Advent was until I went to a Christian college and it was on a, a test, like, day one. Like, what is Advent? Um, and so, but basically, Advent just means coming. And it's a time for us as a church to just sit and, uh, and reflect on what it me- meant that Jesus came. And I love this season because it's a season for me as a Christian to be reminded of something um, and be pointed in a direction towards something important. Um, I'm not a huge Christmas fan. How many of you guys decorated, like, in September? (laughs) My mom has, like, a barn that's all her Christmas decorations. Like, I'm like, you have too many decorations if you have another house for them. Um, And so she decorated in September, and I've always hated it because I I was the one that had to do all the decorating in our family. Um, But I married a girl who loves Christmas, and so I've been listening uh, to Christmas music, which... I'd never thought I would, but I did. All for love. Um, and so, uh, but Advent is different to me. Advent is a, is a very special time for me uh, as a Christian because, like I said, it reminds uh, me and, and helps me focus um, in my spiritual life back towards something that we as a church can focus on together. And so, the next four weeks, uh, myself this week and obviously Derek the next few weeks, we're going to be walking through. Uh, Just two simple verses in Luke chapter 2, and it reads like this. It says, Fear not. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, how many of you guys have heard this? Probably at a play with like little kids in angel costumes, right? Um, I heard this since the day I was born, I think. But... um, we're going to take a really close look uh, to the point where we're breaking this down into four weeks. Um, like I said, my text this morning is just simply the first two words from the angel. It's fear not. Uh, next week, Derek's going to take a look at this phrase, good news and great joy. And what does it mean that the Advent is, is supposed to be good news? Um, and week three, we're going to look at what it means that the, the story of Jesus is something for everyone, not just for a select few. If you are here last week, Derek talked about the shepherds and how God chose to show up amongst this like very interesting group of people that were not wealthy, were not uh, anything special, that were actually pretty dirty, pretty uh, grimy people. God chose to show up um, to them first. And so God's story and his message is for everyone, and so that's going to be week three. And then week four is about how salvation and the story of, of, of redemption comes through Jesus. And so I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be fun. Um, you guys excited about it? You guys still sleepy from all the turkey you ate on Thursday? Um, I ran a half marathon on Thursday, by the way, side note, just bragging on myself, just shamelessly. Um, got up, 21 degree weather. Um, the guy literally gets on the mic and tells us it's the coldest Thanksgiving. He's like happy, and he's like, hey guys, guess what? This is the coldest Thanksgiving on record. And I'm in like spandex pants. Um, 
very unattractive. And so um, when I was thinking about fear, the, the feeling I felt when I opened the door at 5.30 Thursday morning was definitely fear of how cold it was. But uh, I've got a picture I want to show you guys. Um, and I hope this picture, for some of you, sparks something in you. Um, maybe anger, because it definitely does me. I, I grew up here in the South. How many of you guys are from the South? If you grew up in the South, you saw things like this. If you're listening online, it's just a picture of a van that says, uh, Jesus is coming, Jesus saves, uh, Turner Burn, lots of scary things. Um, and if you're not from the South, I'm assuming you heard about this and it like terrified you to ever move down here. Um, I lived in England, and when they would find out I was a Christian and from Georgia, that, that's their picture right there of, of who I was, you know. And so, but I did grow up in that culture, and uh, for me, God um, and my relationship with God began honestly based out of fear. Like, I was terrified of God. Um, I went to this church, uh, just to give you a small picture of my life, I went to this church, and we did this play every year at Christmas. And if you grew up in the church, you may have saw, like, the traditional Christmas plays of the angels and the shepherds and the wise men. But this was different. Uh, my church play Christmas experience was we did this play that was two acts. And in act one, there would be groups of people all around the room uh, doing things either, like, that, are, that Christians should do or shouldn't do. And so it would be, like, one guy was, like, praying, you know, reading his Bible. And then there would be another group of people that would be, like, partying or kicking an old lady. I don't know. What, something bad as we thought you know that it was and and all these groups of people would be dividing the line very obviously between christian and non-christian and uh the play would shift to act two and no no joke god would be on stage and it was usually a preacher which i have no idea what message that was sending um but god would be on stage and there'd be two doors one to the left and one to the right and it worked out because our church had those two doors um and the door to the left all the people who had been praying and reading their bible and doing all the good things that you do, uh, they would come before God, and he would send it to the left, and the door would open, and the angels would come out, and it would be bright white lights and happy songs, and some, I'm pretty sure a, like a violin was playing um, of some sort. Um, but then door number two would open for all those other people, and, you know, there's like flashing red lights and screams, and no joke, like the biggest guys in our church got this part every year. They were like the angel bouncers. Um, and they would come and they would carry kicking and screaming people away to the door to the number two. And I remember being like 14 years old, watching this unfold and thinking, I am terrified. Like, I don't want that to happen to me. And I came down the aisle at 14. I remember praying a prayer at an aisle and, and like crying and, and thinking like, God, I don't want to go to, to door number two. So I'll do whatever it takes to go to that door. And that was my spiritual life for a long time. Um, and the problem with that is that if maybe some of you guys experience this, is that uh, what that leads to is, is a very unhealthy spiritual life. Because for me, uh, my relationship with God and the things I did uh, were trying to earn God's favor. So I prayed and I went to church and I read the Bible and I hoped that I did enough that whenever I died, I didn't go that way. I went to the door number one. Um, and so for me, the message of Advent is something I heard later on in life, and what has really shaped my own spiritual life is that God is not against us. That no matter what you think about God, something, maybe you don't even believe in God and you're here uh, just because someone dragged you and said you need to come, um, 
But if you believe in God, you have an image of who God is, and it's been shaped by your family and by your culture, um, maybe the churches that you grew up in with the friends uh, that you've had, or maybe your parents. Um, But often that image of God is one that is not for us. Um, And it's the easiest thing we do. We've been doing it since the beginning of time, Um, creating gods and goddesses that are not for us, but are against us. Um, But the message of Advent tells us, and you'll see it on the screen here, that you do not need to live your life afraid of what God will do, but in response to what God has already done. And this is the hope that we find in Advent, and I hope this morning we can unpack that message just a little bit, and it uh, means something for you. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 15. This story is, uh, it's a call story. It's one of the first times that God speaks um, outside of the Garden of Eden story in the very beginning of Jesus. But God speaks and calls a man named Abraham. Um, And in the story, his name is still Abram, but obviously it changes later. Um, And if you haven't read this whole story, it's a fantastic uh, story. But I just want to hit on the first couple of verses. Uh, God speaks in, in chapter 15, verse 1. He says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and your reward will be very great. Now let me unpack something real quick. Um, Abram grew up in ancient Mesopotamia in a Sumerian culture that was filled with lots of gods and goddesses. Uh, there was a god of, the, you know, of, of just about anything you can imagine. There was a god or a goddess for. There's actually a, a god that would ask you to sacrifice your firstborn child in that time period. Now, if you're a parent, I'm sure you can imagine just how terrible that would have been. But Abraham had seen the full gamut of how the gods worked, and every one of them worked very um, um, the same way. The gods were separate from us. In other words, the, the gods that we pray to were out there, and they did their thing, um, and you had to appease them, so you made sacrifices, and you, and you burnt offerings, and you worshipped, in hopes that maybe you can make them like you, and turn their favor towards you. Um, so when the rains would come, the gods were pleased, and if the rain stopped, you sacrificed to the gods in hopes that you get more rain so that you could survive. And and Abraham had experienced this relationship with the divine, and yet God steps in, and here's what I don't want you to miss. He steps in, and and the first words he says are, fear not. The phrase that is the most repeated phrase in all of Scripture is this phrase, fear not. And it's like God is setting from the very beginning the standard to say, I'm not going to act like the rest of these gods that you've seen. I'm going to be approachable. I'm going to be a God that's with you, that dwells among you, that comes and intervenes in your life. And the cool thing about the story of Abraham is that God never says, Abraham, I need you to do this, this, and this, and this, and then I'll be in favor of you. God just chooses him. He's like, God, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And if you just follow me and all this stuff is going to happen, and it's going to be amazing. But not once does he say, you need to earn my favor, then I'll give you. Um, Nothing like the rest of the gods that Abraham had experienced. Yet, for us, we tend to turn God into that. I mean, that's exactly what I did as a 14-year-old, thinking, I need to go to church more. I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. And obviously, those things are good things. But for me, that was how I was earning my salvation or my favor with God, was that I need to just do, 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 and and maybe I get to uh, go to heaven. And God shows up, just like he did with Abraham, and says, don't be afraid. I'm not like that. I'm not like those 
other gods that want to punish you and to see you do wrong. Not like the Jonathan Edwards. How many of you guys have heard of that? The sinners in the hands of an angry God. Have you guys have ever heard of that? Four people. All right, awesome. Um, yeah, so this, you know, it's the famous sermon, the guy holding, it says that God is holding us sinners over the fires of hell, waiting for us to mess up and drop us. Like that's the God, um, the types of gods that, that Abraham knew and that I experienced when I thought of God, but yet God says, don't be afraid of me. I'm approachable. I think Derek talked about this last week, but Moses, the story of Moses, God calls Moses and he says, take off your shoes um, for this is holy ground. And actually in the, in the original text, it's about how God is saying, I'm approachable to the fa- fact that you can put your feet in the same place that I am. And that's so different than the rest of the gods and goddesses that they would have experienced. And it's a story that I need to be reminded of, is that God is not someone who's out to get me. God is not watching what I do and waiting for me to mess up. And he's like, he's like, you know, Santa Claus taking the, you know, the naughty and the nice list and uh, waiting for, hope you get enough uh, checks on the nice list. But God shows up and says, you don't have to live in fear of me. But be, live your life in response and in celebration to what I've already done. What he's already done is the story of Jesus. Now, I want to hit something real quick. Um, I could not gloss this over. When I talk about not being afraid of God, what I don't mean is this uh, on the screen here. How many of you guys have ever seen this? <laughs> now, uh, I grew up in, in youth group, and, and if you're listening online, this is the picture of, that says, Jesus is my homeboy. Um, I grew up in a church culture, and, and about the time when I was a teenager, I, I saw this shirt start to pop up, and I hated this shirt. Uh, and I don't know why I hate it. I get what they're trying to do here. They're basically trying to say that God is approachable and that sort of thing. But I don't believe we can take it to the extreme where it's like you show up to heaven and God's sitting there on the couch watching an Auburn game and tosses you a Coors Light, you know, and like, what's up, bro? Like, I don't think that's God. Um, and so the God of Scripture, obviously, there's, there's, there's the message of fear not does not mean that we, we obviously don't revere and respect God. If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah 6. There's this really cool story in Isaiah I want to I wanna hit. Um, Isaiah chapter 6. Um, let me just set the stage here. God shows up in a vision to this guy named Isaiah, and we don't know a lot about this guy beforehand, but he eventually became a prophet um, that God used. And he shows up in this vision, and it sort of catches Isaiah off guard. Like, Isaiah's sitting there, and God shows up, and he is terrified. And his response uh, is in verse 5. Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It reminds me of that, like, when you're a teenager and your parents are supposed to be out of town, and, like, you know, you have friends over, you throw a party, you do things you know you're not supposed to, and your parents show up early, and you're, like, freaking out, cleaning up, you know, doing all the things, trying to, like, clean up. That was Isaiah. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm caught. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm staring at, at God. And, and not once does he call God his homeboy, um, but he does say, like, God, there's something wrong here. And so I think that when we interact with God, there should be a healthy sense of, like, it's calling us forward. Um, it's forcing us to, to evaluate our lives. When we come in on Sunday mornings, uh, we should not live out of fear, but also when we uh, interact with God, that causes us to take stock of our lives and say, all right, is there, are there areas in my life that I know I need cleaning up, and can God help me 
to clean up. And the cool thing about the story is we read on in verse 6, there's this imagery. It says, Then one of the seraphim, it's like an angel, flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal they had taken from the tongs of the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Notice here that the respect and all of God leads him to change the behavior that God did not approve of, not that God judged him for the behavior. It's a very clear difference. That God saw Isaiah's brokenness and his need for, for rescue and never said, oh my gosh, Isaiah, can't believe you did that. He's like, all right, Isaiah, I get it. You've got problems, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to heal you, and I'm going to restore you. It's the same God that shows up in our life and in our timeline and our world and says, I'm not abandoning you. I'm not against you. But I want to help you and help us move forward. Um, There's this phrase called repentance in the church. And uh, this phrase repentance is uh, for the early Christians. It basically meant like turning away from your past life. And for the early Christians, repentance was not about worrying about God finding out. So I better turn turn or burn, if you will. Uh, repentance was about seeing that God had done something incredible and saying, I want to join that movement. So the story of Advent, and the reason I love it so much, and I think it means so much and um, can change the way we think and, and, and live and breathe, is that the story of Advent is a story of a God who says, you don't have to be afraid of me, that I'm approachable, that I'm willing to make the first move in this relationship. And that God came and dwelt. And we're going to get into that uh, more and more over the next few weeks. But the story of Jesus is the story of a God who says, I'm not abandoning you, but I'm coming and I'm living among you. And so if you, like me, grew up in a church tradition that says, you need to be afraid, or if you've seen that van driving down the road and thought, what is that all about? Is that what Christianity is? Is Christianity just this story of a God who's angry and wanting to punish you and send you to hell unless you do right? The message of Advent speaks a very loud and clear no. That Christianity is a story of a God who loves us and who wants to come and be with us and do whatever it takes to be in a relationship with us. And that's, that's the story of Advent. And so I don't know where you are in your faith. Maybe, um, maybe you are here for the first time and you're just sort of figuring out what you believe or maybe uh, you've been a Christian your whole life and you still have moments where you struggle to see God as this forgiving, loving, um, just constantly pursuing Father. I want to remind you of the story of these two words, the first words from the lips of the divine after Jesus' birth. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't allow our culture and, our, and the people around us to turn God into this angry being. Um, there's a quote from this guy named A.W. Tozer. I've got my phone out because I missed it up last service. And I felt embarrassed. Uh, this guy named A.W. Tozer said this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Um, and so for me and for all of us, you have to take stock. And what, what, is it when you, what is it that you think of when you think about God? Is it a loving father who desperately wants to fix things between you, desperately wants to see you whole and, and living a, a healthy life, or is it a guy who is watching and taking note and, and scribbling down every time you mess up? Because if that's the God you see, I pray that Advent is a time for us to just reshape that 
um, and to see someone different and not see the God who's standing there judging us, watching and waiting for us to mess up, but a God who says, I've already done something incredible. Come join me. That's the message of Advent. So as we close this morning, I just want to um, encourage you guys over the next few weeks, and as Christmas gets busy and shopping gets busy and traffic gets terrible around here, uh, I want to remind you uh, to, to allow this message to sink uh, its roots in you. Um, and do not allow a message of, of fear and anger um, and a God who wants your worst um, to outweigh a message of a God who desperately loves you. We've got uh, communion stations all around the room, and we do this every week. If this is your first time at church, uh, we just do this as a time for us to, uh, it's been something we've done for thousands of years now in the church, but as we come together and uh, just remember what Jesus did uh, on the cross. And so if you feel ready, you can take the, uh, the cup and the bread, and also there's offering plates uh, on the tables as well for that. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a couple more songs, um, then we're going to get out of here. God, I just thank you so much. Um, that you are not like um, the other gods uh, that we've heard about, God. That you are not like um, maybe our parents. Or you are not like the church that maybe we experienced. Um, but God, that you are love. That you are good. And when you tell us to don't be afraid, you mean it, God. And you call us to be in a relationship with you that um, will change us and will shape us and mold us um, and to people that have love and joy and hope, God. And so I pray that, um, that today we just uh, are reminded of that, and that, God, that um, this week we can live um, in uh, remembrance of that, God. And I just thank you for all you do. In your name we pray. Amen.